So it was Mark and Dirk in the second day. From the throw and he just sprinted up the pitch and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is going to be a long day. They smelled a the rat with me. They knew I wasn't going to be great going back that way. And they were right. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. In the meantime, Keith Wood is here. Keith, good morning to you. Good morning, gents. How are you? Um, we need to cheat more. That was the conclusion yesterday uh, when we were talking about the front row with Mike Ross. He was talking about England. We were like, what do you do when England are doing what they're doing? Because it's no good crying about it after a World Cup semi-final or a World Cup quarter-final if somebody does to it. He plainly says, well, I'd like us to cheat a bit more. Yeah, I can't really. Um, it's not exactly one of the virtues of the game that we would extol too often, but I couldn't uh, help but agree with him. Um, it's funny, I was looking at it and I could see Furlong complaining and um, I don't think you can criticise Genge for a strategy that worked very well. Uh, there was a tiny little bit of a push after the after the uh, the engagement but it was also the crab on the outside. And actually, if you could see a little bit on the overhead, um, Jamie George is an incredibly uh, bossy hooker and he was just going directly across um, and down on top of the right shoulder of, uh, of Sheehan and putting a huge amount of pressure through, through there. And to be honest, Sheehan hasn't played a huge amount of, of rugby. So this is a fairly steep learning curve for him. Um, but I think Furlong should have loosened his bind a lot um, and put his pretty much put his arse out and drive in or else let Genge go and let him go and walk around the outside because we were suckered consistently. I mean, the first scrum was brilliant, but after that, we were suckered in nearly every scrum. So a couple of things, right? The 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 technicalities of what you're talking about are fairly obvious. Is there anything else you can do as a captain in the past to influence the referee to like, like just break the pattern of vision that the referee has where he's saying, no, you're getting killed. Stop complaining. In his head, who, I mean, maybe he knows what he's talking about. Maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe he's an expert on it and has just decided that, um, well, all's fair in love. I don't know. But what, what can you do to influence the outcome when it's going against you like that apart from the the change in the technicalities is there anything you can verbalise to say hang on a second this is nonsense well for in, in fairness to Renal, I think he's a very good ref I thought he I thought he ref pretty well um, at scrum time I think he was suckered as much as we were but yes you do have a conversation with it but it can't be constant because that just drives the referee mad and to be honest um, the ref didn't have a huge amount of interest in having a conversation about it the one time he did take the two props out he actually, what he actually explained was exactly right. But a lot of the French refs will give it to the team that's going forward. That's just part and parcel of the way it's refed in France an awful lot. So um, in my belief, what we, I, I think you have to take things into your own hands. So you either collapse some of the scrums. You either, um, as I said, loosen the bind. And that means there's an awful lot that's required for that. But in, in terms of getting the referee to change his mind with it, you have to paint a different picture. And the same picture was being, was being painted for the whole game. So Dan Sheehan's a really big hooker. Um, uh, sometimes you just need to leave the tight head alone. And um, 
his shoulder, his right shoulder is very high. If it's very high and you have a smaller hooker against you, that can put you under huge pressure. And once there's any bit of movement on the tight head side, um, you can be, you can just be shunted out of position very quickly. And that's what it seemed to happen to me. And look, I would know 90% of what happens in the front row and you're still trying to guess it. Now I was at the game and I couldn't quite see it, but I went through it again yesterday and, um, but I felt there was a tiny crab and I'd have, I'd have said to, to Furlong, it's you, you're the senior guy, you take over. And if that means you go in, in, in um, to blitz, to absolutely blitz them and push them back, that's maybe the only way you can change that, that view for the referee, that if you attack them, let Genge go on the outside. But it's much easier said than done. And was that also harder to do without James Ryan or, I mean, should they still have been able to do that with Henderson packing down? Because it's not like Henderson's um, small. Yeah, I thought, I, look, I, I, we, we seemed totally off balance on the right-hand side of the scrum. So um, whether that was the change of, of James Ryan coming or going off or whatever, I don't know. But I do know that um, we haven't seen that much of that being got away with in international rugby. And, um, and like, that is... That crabbing is one of the issues that can happen when you don't get a good hit in the scrum and there's no hits allowed anymore. So I'm surprised it's taken this long for that to happen. You were saying you were there, Keith, and then you watched it back and it's only, I suppose, on rewatch when you start to appreciate these things. I assume as a player it's hard to, to spot them as well when you're right in the middle of it. So is it down to the coaching staff to get a, a message out there when they start to see these trends emerge early in a game? No, front row have to sort that out for right. themselves. Yeah. And can, can you feel it can, or... or well, look, I can give the view that Dan Sheehan would have been inside there. He, uh, I, th- I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago about big hookers, but um, sometimes you need to get yourself locked into a position where you can't be lifted. And that means loosening your bind with your right hand, which is counterintuitive because everybody talks about the tightness in the front row. And you drop your right shoulder down as low as you can and get yourself into a good position it becomes very hard to be lifted up and walked around. And so once you're in a bad position at the start, that makes it very hard. But for me, it's furlongs to to do and deal with, you know. And don't you know, you could see it on his face, but don't you know it when he woke up on Sunday morning and Monday, his pride would have been fairly heavily battered after that. And um, and he is one of the top proponents of tight head in um uh, in, in the world so I'd expect him to come back with an awful lot smarter version uh, come the weekend but again we haven't seen as much of it as of late because there is no hit Yeah, and I do think it could be a little bit as a coaching reaction to the, the handbrake that was put on for the scrub at the start of the season Well, One thing that struck me was um, you know Irish rugby got scarred by the poor performance of Tom Court who I have a lot of sympathy for and who years afterwards spoke about not being prepared for it and kind of being in the wrong position in, at a game in Twickenham and it kind of set off uh, an operation prop where you know we're beginning to see the fruits of it a decade later this isn't the same scenario here at all really what we're saying is that this this group will actually be able to learn and it's great to be doing it from a situation where we've won a match double scores it's it, it's not ideal that this has happened but it's great that it's happened now as opposed to as I said earlier in a World Cup quarter-final or, or semi-final and afterwards we're out 
Yeah, look, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I thought it was a fantastic game of rugby. I've been a little bit taken aback by some of the criticism that's been in there to get the win and the four tries in Twickenham is is, is pretty phenomenal. And I know they're down to 14 players, but um, I thought England tried... Um, I thought England played brilliantly. I thought some of their players were truly phenomenal. Um I thought that they didn't try and play any rugby. They did a little bit for a few minutes and then stopped. And they tried to play a style that would keep them into a game and maybe get them over the game. And and I thought it was fantastic. Um, but I also thought that, you know what, there's something incredibly gratifying watching an Irish team making mistakes, um, but still willing to go for it again and again and again and again and again under the highest pressurised um uh, set of defence and the fact that Ireland continue to play like that and offload and wrap around and have runners in as much of places and it was by no means perfect there were an awful lot of mistakes some of them were but I, I would have said the decision making was right I just think the the technique was wrong some of the passing a lot of the passing was behind which was poor some of the passing was end over end which is hard to catch um some of the penalties that were given away were downright, downright stupid. But if you ignore those, the style of playing and running it had England out on their feet in the last 10 minutes. And and we thought when, when the bench came on, they came on fresh and came on with, um, with uh, you know, a guide from the coach to say, box kick it, get into the right position, slow it down in our half, speed it up in their half. That's exactly what happened, and the results turned out to be fantastic. It would be great to see what would have happened if it had been fifteen, but we, we don't get that. Like, uh, it, it feels like we're the, the commitment to the game plan is absolute, and under the pressure when it got to fifteen all, and the the England rugby team are channeling their inner John Milans and ripping their jerseys and shouting and celebrating the the free kicks. It's like. Um, it was amazing. Like that, that atmosphere was incredible. And for us to just continue doing the new game plan and then be the new Ireland, that must be the most gratifying thing for the coaching ticket and for the players then to have confidence. So like, it's not just that we beat 14 men, it's that we actually went through a bit of fire in the middle of it and came out the right side as we should have done. It's, it's kind of, it's, it, I don't know, it feels like it's a little bit more symbolic and, and confidence building than if we just won a game 1916 on penalties. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things for, for me on that. On, on 72 minutes, Jack Conan scored a try. That's as good a try as you're going to see anywhere. The amount of phases, the amount of hands that that ball went through, um, the lines that were cut, the spread from side to side to side, but it was on 72 minutes after we were um, under the cosh. It was pretty fantastic. Um, look, for me, the... This is part of a, part of a process to change to something else the risk that was taken with the passes. So the criticisms I'll have, let's go for a few of those first. Um, um, running into contact without the ball in two hands meant three or four of the balls that were spilt were because there were offloads with one hand under a lot of pressure. Well, we know if we play an offloading game in the future, and we try and play it as much as we do now, every single team will attack us. If we don't get that piece of of technique right that the ball is held in two hands balls will be spilled all the time so that's something that has to change um, some of the penalties that we gave away hands in the rook 
um, hands in the line out, um, offsides. There's there's stupid penalties. If you're giving away a penalty, they need to be doing something of value. Um, none of those were. Um, but still, I'd go back to the idea that they want to offload constantly. It's, it's fantastic, and it's we're going to make mistakes with it. You know, we're 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 not used to this game at all, and we're we're only doing it for maybe six months. And a lot of these guys are. 28, 29, or 35 or 36. So this isn't something they've been doing that they fall back on all the time. So, um, look, I just love, I love that idea that they wanted to keep going for it. I thought they were pragmatic. I thought Conor Murray, when he came on, I thought Gibson Park was brilliant. Um, I didn't think he was man of the match, but I thought he was brilliant. Um, I thought Conor Murray came on and played an entirely different style but played it really well. So he kicked very well, but also he passed very quickly. Um, I thought his pass for like a mispass on the line to Caelan Doris was, was um, or to Jack Conan for the try was excellent. Um, but like for me, it was exciting in the crowd. It was exciting. And I can tell you how exciting it was. Once we got that first try over there, uh, when, um, uh, when Conan scored, Loads of the English players or English fans left. They all started streaming out of the ground. It was they'd had their chance. They knew it was gone, and it was quite an unusual atmosphere with people walking out of the ground, streaming out of the ground at seventy-two minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you say you silence the, the the crowd, that definitely happened. What a what a great sight to see. We should like we should we shouldn't take this for granted. We shouldn't be whining about ah oh, we were terrible. It's like you know, sport is imperfect. That's why we watch it. Well, it was. Look, it is imperfect. I mean, I. But I have to tell you, it's a great game, and the 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 um, the atmosphere in the ground was was really really interesting because, like from the start, okay, you had people complaining about the red card, but it was a straight red card. It's a stupid tackle. I mean, we. How often do we have to talk about that? I mean, I remember having an argument uh, a long time ago with Joe Schmidt over it, and. Um, he likes. He always liked that tackle because it led to that turnover, that choke tackle that we used to have. Um, but the way the laws are refed now is you just can't do it. So any coach that's saying tackle in the stand-up position is wrong, any player who thinks that he's okay is wrong, and the referee got it exactly right. He said um, he had, it was a stand-up tackle and he runs the risk of making head contact. That's, that's it in a nutshell, you yeah. know, and Intent has nothing to do with anything um, because we're trying to get rid of this out of the game. And I can tell you for anybody who says the game is getting soft, I'd say there isn't a body there that isn't black and blue after that game. It's, it was an extraordinary game of rugby. But the crowd reacted very negatively to that. Then Ireland started incredibly well. I thought Dan Sheen, two or three interjections down on the left wing were brilliant. And James Lowe, who... Look, uh, I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of his. My God, is he growing into the jersey? I thought he was involved in a huge amount of things that were good. He played really, really well. Scored that cracking try. Of course, all the Irish went mad in the crowd. Um, then um, kind of lost our way a little because of the pressure and the fact that England weren't doing anything with the ball. It's very hard to do a lot when the only place we could do it in was was deep down. But we still continued to do what we wanted to do. But the um, the noise in the middle of the game and the noise when it went to 15 all and um, the singing and, you know, it was it was an electric atmosphere. And and then the last 10 minutes, Ireland blew them away. 
and uh, the resignation in the stadium was was something as well and and also there was jubilation from Ireland, but also kind of recognition that this was unbelievably tough test match. Yeah, and if, if we want to kind of like compound the positivity here as well, I guess England playing so well with 14 men suggests that there is more than a puncher's chance of them doing Ireland a big favour on Saturday. Yeah, look, I think England have huge capability. I think they're very frustrating to play against. Um, uh, against France... It'll be interesting. They just the the one thing about England is they didn't look like they were going to threat threaten the line at all, um, and they need that in their in their in their in their box. They've only scored two tries in the Six Nations apart from against Italy, um, and Italy always seems to go with an asterisk on these conversations. And um, against France, I could see them putting them under a huge amount of pressure. Um, they. I think they got an awful lot out of the the victory. I'm or out of the defeat. I'm not sure that I would agree with. Well, I'm not sure that I agree with Eddie Jones pretty much any of the time. But um, look, he's trying to find something to hang his hat on for it. But I do think they have a capability, and I also think France, and this is a young French team. Um, will not quite know how to deal with an English team. England's backs are to the wall. Um, if they if they lose this, do they come fifth uh, for a second year in the trot? That's a pretty horrendous place uh, for them. And, um, you know, it's. I think it's going to be a cracking game. I think they have the ability by not playing. See, if you make a mistake against France, they exploit it. Uh, England aren't making a huge amount of mistakes and made very few at the weekend. But they did run out of steam at the end. And whether that's down just to 14 men or not, we don't know. Is there anything that would worry you about Scotland from an Ireland perspective? There's plenty that worries me about Scotland. Scotland have an ability to spark. This is probably their biggest game um, because of having failed at a couple of spots earlier on this year. They'll put everything into this game. Um Scotland are messy. I mean, it's 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 interesting to to watch them. They're 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 messy. They're not. Um, they they don't seem to play coherently. They don't play from one week to the next. Um, my big fear for this would be any level of um, of taking things for granted, um, because I I think like Scotland have the ability to to sparkle and get everything really right. And if it sticks, you can be put under pressure. But um, look, I'd still expect Ireland to win. All right, Keith, great to have you with us. Enjoy the game of the weekend. Thanks. Cheers, gents. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 